Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading lower this morning. Tokyo is down 1.3%. Seoul is off two-thirds of a percent. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Morning, Michelle. Awesome. How's your Monday going? Starting off on a good note, I have to say. Let's start this morning with the story that has kept financial markets on edge all this weekend and whose fallout is affecting startup companies, particularly in the tech sector across the globe. I am talking about Silicon Valley Bank or SVB, which on Friday collapsed. It's the biggest banking failure in the United States since the height of the financial crisis nearly 15 years ago. On top of that, another bank over in New York called Signature Bank has been shut down as well. Ryan, we talked about SVB on this show on Friday and at that point, it was nearing collapse. Its share price basically had collapsed, falling about 70% in one day, including an after-hours sell-off. Now, since then, SVB has gone out of business. Its assets have been seized by regulators and the bank has been put on the auction block and we should find out who the winning bidder is sometime this morning. And just a little while ago, US regulators announced that depositors at both SVB and Signature Bank will be made a whole. Uh, depositors will get access to all of their funds. So what is the latest, Ryan? Yeah, the latest is really fast and furious because every minute there's a new development around SVB which kind of reflects how fast everyone is trying to scramble to figure things out. Policymakers, investors and everyone else in the markets. And the latest we have right now is the U.S. regulators stepping up to reassure investors. Pretty much what we expected. And here's where we have some reassurance that all depositors, according to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, all of them will get their money all safe. So this signals pretty much that anyone above the previous insurance threshold of $250,000 would be protected. So I think that's important because previously we had more than 85% of deposits not protected. So anyone who parked in like a million dollars, two million and so on, they would be just sitting at a loss because according to the insurance rules, any amount above 250000 would not be protected. But here you've got the Treasury Secretary come out to say, hey, everyone's going to be protected. So that gives some relief to depositors, especially startups who have been struggling to get their money out of the bank and they need that money to pay their staff, pay for rent and daily operations. So it does give some uh, relief temporarily, if not um, maybe a bit more down the road. Uh, also worth noting is the Fed is creating a bank term funding program. So in short, making it easier for banks to borrow money to just tie things over. So that's, I think, two parts to why we are seeing US futures drifting or pushing higher right now. So that new lending program, essentially a backstop to help banks that are facing decline in the value of securities uh, reach for a lifeline, more credit. Ryan, th there, this is a problem that affected SVB. So I want to take a step back now and remind us what actually happened, what caused the failure of one of Silicon Valley's top banks? Yeah, there was an inkling that this might happen last week. And this was, as you pointed out in the intro, how there was some pressure on stock prices. And back then, uh, there was already startups trying to take cash out of SVB. And people 
startups, companies have been trying to take money out of SVB for various reasons because they need to pay their bills and they are not getting money elsewhere, typically as they would have in past years, like getting from VC funding, IPOs, investors. So that money has dried up. So they have to turn elsewhere for money. And that money is the stuff they put in the banks in past years. So they've been, to some extent, taking it out and also because of the tax slump we've seen. So all in, you have a huge confluence of customers coming together, withdrawing at the same time. But the catch is SVB, as with any other bank, does not sit on liquid cash all the time. So they had to sell some of the assets to raise the cash to give back to these guys. And then that forced them to sell some of the assets, which are long-dated bonds, at a loss. So that triggered another round of panic because after they did that, they said, hey, we've got a hole. We need to plug that hole with a share sale, selling more shares to plug that $1.8 billion loss we just chalked up by selling bonds by raising $2.25 billion. So investors were a bit jittery and that just triggered another stampede for the exits. And it is um, something that just became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody just wanted to flock to safety and this bank run happened. Some people argue if everyone stayed put, it would not have happened. But here we are. Yeah, it really seems like a good old-fashioned bank run. On Thursday, SVP depositors tried to pull out more than $40 billion. And what a pandemic, uh, you know, real panic that started, right? People sort of withdrawing more than they need. Um, I read a really great article over the weekend by a New York Times columnist named Kevin Roos, and he argues that there are already several lessons that we can take from SVB's failure. What do you think are some of the uh, lessons that we can already learn from this? Yeah, one is... A big one, diversification. A lot of the issues that have come to manifest is because of SVB's concentration in the startup ecosystem. So as the name describes Silicon Valley Bank, they serve Silicon Valley startups. So it's a huge concentration. And when all of them go through the same fortunes, you know, going through a bit of a tax slump, having to find money in the bank, they have to withdraw it at the same time. So this is... Uh, a risk for the bank that did they, they not diversify. And also worth noting, Silicon Valley is very interconnected in the sense that investors, the big ones, have their fingers in many startups. So when one part of the ecosystem hears of something bad, you can imagine it will spread like wildfire very fast because it's quite interconnected. You've got one investor possibly investing in many startups. So they would just give the call, hey, guys, I heard this bad mm. news. Just pull out your cash right now. So that's actually what happened with Peter Thiel, who instructed many of his uh, startups to just flock to safety. And I, as you imagine, Peter Thiel is on the board of other startups and then you've got this you know, club going on, probably in the WhatsApp chat group. Hey guys, I heard this is happening. And it just goes on and on. And you've got a bank run. So that's one of the issues I think you can look at. And also, I think one lesson to take away is how banking regulations are important uh, in the sense that after the GFC in 2008, we had the Dodd-Frank Act to oversee banks more closely. But in 2018, Donald Trump rolled back it partially. So SVB managed to escape the threshold for annual stress tests. So that's an argument that you need more regulation to protect the financial system. 
Really well put, Ryan. And just another argument I picked up from New York Times, you know, given that this was a bank, as you mentioned, to the point of diversity, if you're a bank and many of your clients are tech startups, maybe it's a good idea to look at what you're investing in. And if your client's funding ability is sensitive to interest rate rises, then don't invest their deposits in long-dated bonds that could lose their value if interest rates rise. SVB depositors are insured up to $250,000, but many companies had millions, even billions deposited with the bank. So they were facing potentially huge losses, if not for the announcement made this morning by the U.S. Treasury. Reserve and the U.S. Federal Reserve. Take Roku, for example, the video streaming company. It said that more than a quarter of its cash reserves were in SVB. So without this government assistance, many of the tech startups that are SVB's clients would face problems meeting payroll and paying bills. Uh, We should note that the U.S. regulators say that taxpayers will not be footing the bill here. A special levy is going to be raised on the banking sector. Another big question on many investors' minds this Monday morning is whether or not there could be a risk of contagion. Three U.S. banks have closed since the start of this month. Signature Bank in New York, SVB and Silvergate, which played a key role in the crypto sector by enabling transfers of fiat currencies to crypto platforms. So um, some headlines have asked this. So I'll put this to you, Ryan. Are we looking at 2008 again? Well, that is a tough question because it is still not very clear how this could play out. But there are some similarities. You've got SVB's collapse being described as a Lehman moment for Silicon Valley. To some extent, it does look quite similar because you've got a sudden blowout and people doing a bank run. Uh, But the other part of it is it is also unique to SVB because, as we've talked about, it is catering to Silicon Valley banks. So the banking model was quite unique in the sense that in the past few years, we had cheap money coming from VCs, investors, and all these startups were happy to just park their money in the bank. And because of the easy access to money, they did not need to borrow money. So you've got a bit of a broken model with SVB where typically a bank would use the deposits to lend it out to other people who might need the money and make money on the spread. But Mm -hmm. this did not happen to SVB, so they just plonked all the money in long-dated bonds. And all these bonds lost value in the past few years as interest rates went up. So in that sense, it's a very different bank because other banks would have a more diversified customer base, people who might need to buy a house and also be um, have different demographics of customers. So not everyone would also need to withdraw money at the same time. So if you mm-hmm. talk about it from that sense, it would be contained in that contagion side of um, things. But it does not come with um, consequence-free implications because we are talking about startups, investor confidence, and possible policies that might come forth and how investors might be more, I guess, prudent in the sense that they might avoid some of these startups or even smaller banks to just avoid the entire risk of this being repeated. So this could mean bad news for some of these smaller banks in the US at least. Now, given the problems faced by SVB and now Signature Bank in New York, logically you may be wondering if Singapore's banks could face similar difficulties. Philip Securities addressed this this morning. They sent an email out to their investors and the email argues that Singapore's banks are in much better financial health. 
Now, despite its name, Silicon Valley Bank was not only in California, as you might think. It had branches around the globe, including in Europe, in China, in Israel, in India as well, I believe. In the UK, Bloomberg reports that some 180 tech companies have sent a letter to the UK Chancellor Jeremy Hunt asking for his intervention, saying that the loss of deposits has the potential to cripple the sector and that many businesses will be sent to involuntary liquidation overnight. So we'll continue to keep an eye on how this pans out in different parts of the world. At first glance, unlike many other recent financial scandals, SVB's collapse appears to have nothing to do with cryptocurrencies. Think for a moment about uh, FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, not to mention the Silvergate Bank or the bankruptcies of Celsius and Luna and Te- uh, Terra, just to name a few. But when you look closer, there is a crypto link to the SVB story. In a way, how could there not be one, right? SVB was catering to tech startups. The SVB crypto link revolves around a company called Circle that manages the popular stablecoin USDC. News that Circle had a uh, $3 billion US dollar exposure to SVB caused a sell-off in USDC stablecoins. Now, you remember, listener, USDC is supposed to be pegged. That's the whole point of being a stablecoin, right? It is supposed to be pegged at one US dollar, but it fell as far as 85 cents over the weekend. It since rallied. It's trading above 90 U.S. cents. Uh, Bitcoin prices, I checked, they were rallying this morning. Cryptocurrency trading back above 22,000 U.S. dollars for Bitcoins. Um, U.S. futures markets looking up as well. All right, Ryan. So a couple of days back, it seemed like the big story that would be on investor minds this Monday morning would be the latest U.S. jobs report and um, the impact that it might have on the Fed's thinking about interest rates. Now, those jobs numbers came out on Friday, but they were quickly pushed aside by all this news of SVB's collapse. Now, it doesn't mean that these job numbers are still not important, so let's take a look at them. The U.S. economy added 311,000 jobs in February. That is higher than expected, but the overall picture is mixed when you take a look at unemployment and wages. Right, Ryan? Fill us in. Yeah, so let's go into these non-farm payrolls. And we got a reading of 311,000. So that was above the consensus forecast of 225,000. So all in, on the surface, it looks like we got a hotter than expected labour market. And that kind of points to what I've been talking about for a long time. The labour market is quite robust. But if you look at it from the other perspective, you've got it actually moderating from the prior month, which was over 500,000. So it's a bit of a mixed bag depending on how you want to look at the numbers. It's moderating, but it beat expectations. And any number typically above 200,000 is a sign that the labor market is still quite resilient. And then you dive into the details. Unemployment rate rose to 3.6%, above expectations of 3.4%. So that kind of would signal that you might have some slack because unemployment rose. But the catch here is more people went back into the labour force. So participation rate was up to 62.5%. That is the highest levels since March 2020. So it's a very tough one to navigate. You've got a very noisy picture in the latest uh, non-farm payrolls. All right. So the waters are anything but clear here. Ryan, does this latest report give us any indication of 
What action the U.S. Federal Reserve is likely to take at its meeting next week? No one knows for sure, but what are you seeing shape up? Yeah, looking at the CME Group Watch tool for what the Fed might do in the coming meeting, it looks like they are making it 50-50. So that is what is being priced in for a 0.5 percentage point rate hike. And it's either going to be 25 or 50 basis points. Uh, before the number, we were looking at a 75% chance. So that kind of has come down slightly. And I think that kind of reflects how the Fed might be a bit more cautious going forward when it comes to its uh, Fed hike numbers. All right. Time to put you on the spot. After you take a you know, deep breath and a sip of water, maybe, what do you make of this argument? If we um, think about the Silicon Valley Bank story and try to link it together, all right? Some analysts say that SVB's failure, Ryan, could rein in the Fed and uh, keep it from raising rates too high. The Fed would have learned a, a cautionary tale here. Um, what do you make of, of this argument? There is a point to be made here, which is how the aggressive rate hikes cause um, some of these issues at least because of how assets have devalued so fast. Um, so the Fed in the wake of this mess might think twice about being so aggressive or at least try to communicate more about where things may go. So that could hold them back in the coming meetings in terms of um, the tone they might take, how hawkish they might be. So that's something to take in mind. But at the same time, banks have to take some responsibility in terms of how much risk they take on. So it's pretty much a bit of a 50-50 thing. You know, you've got to take responsibility for what you invest in, but at the same time, the Fed needs to give some clarity where it's going. All right, aside from the monitoring the fallout of SVB's collapse and bailout, Ryan, what else do you think could be on investors' radars this week? Oh, it's a bit of a list. So we've got China data, a bit of a data dump out this week and that will give an indication of where the economy is chugging along with the reopening efforts. Is it on track? And then you've got some CPI data in the US tomorrow night, which will then give another uh, signpost for investors to look at when it comes to where inflation is going and how the Fed might think into its next meeting a week or so away. And also ECB will be meeting and what you expected to hike by 50 basis points. Um, but the question will be what's coming up after that. So that's some of the stuff we'll be watching out for in the coming days. All right, time for corporate news and we'll do it up or down style. Ryan, let's start with Saudi Aramco. Okay, let's check out Saudi Aramco and I am going with up yet another record profit. $161 billion for 2022, up nearly 47%. Indeed. So Saudi Aramco netting $161 billion last year. That, by the way, is the largest annual profit ever by an oil and gas company. And while this might be unsettling to drivers paying high petrol prices, it's definitely an up for Saudi Aramco. Okay, let's look at hospitality REITs, right? Okay, it's pretty simple. It's going up because yeah. hospitality is benefiting from the wave of reopening and border restrictions being lifted. So you've got REITs and property trusts in Singapore pretty much declaring higher DPUs, rebounding 32% last year. 
Indeed, that's good news for property REITs investors. Uh, REIT, REITs that focus on hospitality include, of course, Far East Hospitality Trust, ARA US Hospitality Trust. They've recorded the highest increase in distributions to unit holders, up more than 30%. So it's an up for hospitality REITs. Let's look at the semiconductor tester, Sunrite. All right, Sunrite is... A down for me is first half yeah. net loss $1.3 million Also No dividend announced It's citing A drop in revenue To Lower volume For burn in And test services As well as What's called A scale down In electronic Manufacturing services <sighs> That's right. So Sunrite is in the red, not as much as before. Still no dividend for its shareholders, though. So I'm going to give it a down. Let's look at the Catalyst-listed construction company. They're called Sisma Holdings. Yeah, so this is going to be a down for me. Sisma has just posted a net loss in the six months ended January 31st. $2.7 million in the red, due in part to higher costs. So that reverses from $3.1 million in profit the same period last year. Yeah, exactly. So down uh, for Sisma, the catalyst listed company for me as well. Our last up or down entry today is a double entry. Two of the region's largest internet companies, think about it, C and GoTo. Yeah, I am going with down. Unfortunate news for many who might be facing a round of job cuts. So this is with what I've been seeing in the past few months. Tech companies under pressure and having to cut costs by going for retrenchments, laying off people. So C, cutting fewer than 500 jobs at Shopee uh, in Indonesia and go to cutting 600 jobs as it reorganizes its business. Indeed. So C and GoTo both announcing a fresh round of retrenchments. Now, this might help their bottom lines, but its employees certainly can't be happy. I'm going to give C and GoTo a down. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan. Have a great day ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.